Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson, his wife Carlotta, and their daughter Hannah Miller, this program will help you understand that human beings are more than just physiology, that for people there's more than just diagnosis and treatment, and that in life there's more than just medicine for a cure. This is More Than Medicine, and the doctor is in. Welcome into More Than Medicine. My name is Hannah Miller, and I'm here with my dad, Dr. Robert Jackson. And uh, this week, I asked Dad, I said, what What are we going to talk about this week, Dad? And he said, well, I'm not that guy anymore. And so I know as much about this as you know now. <laughs> so, Dad, <laughs> what what does that mean? <laughs> well, here, here's the story. Some years ago, a gentleman came into my office who had been a, a drug addict in his previous life. And he was new to me. And before we even started talking, he just said, Doc, right off the bat, I want you to know that I used to be a drug addict and an alcoholic. And he said, I abused my wife and my children. I was a renegade husband. And he went on and described a whole litany of offenses in his life. But then he said, I became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and everything changed in my life. He said, first thing I did was I had to get right with my wife and children. He said, then we started going to church. He said, I gave up all the drugs and all the booze. He said, I got a job, still got that same job today. And he said, Doc, I just want you to know I am not that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, Miss Hannah, that phrase just stuck in my heart. And the reason is, is that all of us as Christian people ought to be able to say that we are not the person that we were X number of years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, even really even one year ago, because we should all be growing in Christ's likeness. You know, I remember I had, you ever met those people in life who like the best days of their lives were their senior year in high school, yeah. you know, kind of, yeah. and, and those people who those were the glory days or their senior year in college and, and they're 56 now. <laughs> and, uh, and you're yeah. like, those were the, that yeah. was the, and that all, was the glory year of your life. All they ever talk about is the past. And, and it's a lot of times right. the way past. And, you know, I've found that believers are, can be the same, the same way sometimes way. where the glory days uh, or the glory year of our life spiritually was 15 years ago. When so-and-so was pastor of our church, when this mm-hmm. evangelist came through our community. And since then, nothing's happened yeah, of any significance in their spiritual now, life. Now, I, I grant you that I've had seasons where my spiritual life has just exploded Yes. And then it will slow down somewhat. Yes. Um, and, and But then, you know, that tends to ebb and flow somewhat in my own personal life. But it's, it not, shouldn't the, it's be, not the end of the journey. That's right. But for yeah. some believers, it's like that was the end. That yeah. was it. And now they've never, they haven't grown in 40 years as a believer. That's exactly right. Now, when my patient shared this with me, he shared it with a note of victory mm-hmm. in his voice. And and I'm I'm speaking now to our listeners. How many of us can say that about ourselves, that I am not that guy anymore. And when I say it, I mean that the sin issues of my life are past history. I have won the victory. I win more than I lose, or I don't lose at all anymore. My testimony is that Jesus has set me free, and I am not that guy anymore. Or 
How many of our listeners are riding down the road right now saying to themselves, man, Doc, I wish I could say that. I know I should be able to say that, but honestly, I can't. There are sin issues in my life that are beating me down, and I can't honestly claim to be that victorious guy. So, Miss Hannah, today, I want us to talk together about how every one of us can be the victorious Christian who can honestly say, I'm not that guy anymore, referring to his former days of despair and defeat and now walking in spiritual victory. Now, let's start with a scripture verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. Now, most of our listeners will will understand this as we go, and they'll remember the verse. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. If you remember Mm -hmm. in the King James Bible, it talks about putting off the old man, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Then the second point is that we are to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And the third point, to put on the new man, the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And as I said before, every Christian who is growing in Christ should be able to say, I'm not the person I was five years ago because we are growing in Christ's likeness. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians who are stagnant, just like you were saying a minute ago, and nothing's changed a whole lot in their lives. In the church, we sing that song, more like the master I would ever Mm -hmm. be, more of his mercy, more humility. And the question I ask all of us, is that just a song that we sing? Or is it really the desperate cry of our hearts that I want to be more like the master, growing in Christ? likeness, and being conformed to his image. Now, I have to tell you this. I met a guy a a year ago who I had not seen in probably 20 years. And when he spied me across the room, he walked up to me and he said, Robert Jackson, you haven't changed a bit since the last time I saw you. Well, for a moment there, I was stricken because I didn't know if he was talking about my outward appearance or if he was referring to that irresponsible, immoral conduct that I had way back in high school. (laughs) Well, he went on to say, your hair is not gray. He said, you're strong and you're not overweight. He said, man, you haven't changed a bit. And I breathed a sigh of relief (laughs) because I realized he was just talking about the outward appearance Mm -hmm. and not the inner character that he knew me as many years ago before Mm -hmm. Christ began to really work in my life. Well, What about our listeners? How many of us have somebody who knew us 30 years ago, 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. who would look at us and say, you haven't changed a bit, but they're referring to our character. They're referring Mm -hmm. to our conduct, not our outward appearance. And that would be very sad. Well, let's talk first about the middle part of the verse, which says to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Now, what does that mean? I I think it really means that we have to reprogram our minds. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And the reason for all of that is that we have to reprogram our computer. We have to reprogram 
our mind if we're going to be the kind of people that can grow in Christ's likeness. We have to be striving to put heaven's priorities into our daily practice. When we talk about setting our mind, we're talking about concentrating on the eternal rather than the temporal, rather than the temporary. Reprogramming our minds determines our character and ultimately determines our course in life. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, the Bible tells us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. That's exactly right. And I'm, and I'm just saying that there are a lot of Christian folks that I know that on the outside, they're not conformed to the world because worldly conduct pollutes us on the outside and everybody else can see it. It's possible to avoid worldly customs and still be full of dead men's bones on the inside, just like the Pharisees. We have to reprogram our minds lest we be proud, covetous, selfish, lustful, envious, whatever flavor of sin is your besetting sin. Only when we allow Holy Spirit to renew, re-educate, and redirect our minds can we truly be transformed by the power of the Spirit and the grace of God. Now, Miss Hannah, what you and I listen to today, what we read, what we watch, and with whom we associate will determine who you are in three to five years. A college professor told me that when I was in college, and it stuck in my heart like mm-hmm. a dagger. And the reason it got me was because I had some friends in my life at the time who were not good for me. Mm-hmm. They were old friends. I enjoyed their company, but they were dragging me down in my spiritual life, and I knew immediately I had to make some changes. Now, all of us watch things on television or the Internet. We read things. We hang out with people. And the people that we associate with, the things we read, the things we watch, all of those things determine who we're going to be in three to five years. Your character, your conduct, your mindset today is connected to your reading, viewing, and associations three to five years ago. Well, isn't it Proverbs that tells us that bad company corrupts good morals? That's right. And, you know, we think of that as being a real life company, people, but what are the, the company of the mind, the company of the books that we surround ourselves in music mm-hmm. and movies? And all of that could be, quote unquote, company that we use that could pollute our minds or edify. That's right. Or edify. Now, what was the song we used to sing when we were kids? Careful little ears what you hear. Mm-hmm. Be careful right. little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love and challenges us again. Be careful, little eyes, what you see, and little ears, what you hear. And you see, what's true for a 5-year-old is true for a 25, 35, 45, 65-year-old person. Because what we take into that computer determines who we are. Well, and a lot of folks, you know, they will rationalize it by saying, well, you know, Jesus hung out with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors and all those things. But they do that while at the same time, they barely pick up the word of God. They never spend time in prayer and they've never in their life or except for maybe VBS memorized mm-hmm. a Bible verse. And yeah. so it's yeah. they haven't saturated their lives with the word of God and the Holy Spirit so that when bad company comes along or when they're evangelized 
socializing or trying to make relationships with people, create relationships with people in order to share the gospel with them. There's no Jesus in them to overflow into somebody else's life. life. I understand. Now, in John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them in thy word. Thy word is truth. As you just said, it's by abiding in the word, meditating on God's word, memorizing God's word in a daily devotional that God, by his spirit, transforms our mind, sets our mind on things above, not on things of the earth. According to research by LifeWay, 65% of American teenagers own a Bible, yet only 3% read it daily. Nevertheless, they spend four and a half hours a day watching television or being on the internet or on their cell phones. Barna tells us that only 20% of Protestants have a daily devotional. And it makes us wonder why the church in America is so impotent. Well, let's move on to the next thing. Let's go back to the beginning of the verse where it says, Put on the new man, the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and godliness. In Romans 6, there's a verse that says, Reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive under Christ. Reckon means consider. Consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive under Christ. Now, Miss Hannah, you've heard me say this, and I'm going to say it again. You'll never lead a cavalry charge if you think you look funny sitting on a horse. <laughs> now, what does that got to do with this verse? Well, what it means is, you, is we as Christian folks have to understand our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. We will never win in the Christian life if we can't visualize victory, if we can't see ourselves walking in righteousness. We have to comprehend our identity in Christ Jesus, which is dead to sin and alive with Christ, and then we walk in it. Some of my Christian friends are defeated from the very beginning because they say things like, oh, I can never be like pastor so-and-so. I can never be like Bible teacher so-and-so. And my answer to that is, bah, humbug. <laughs> because the same Spirit of God that's in their pastor or their favorite Bible teacher is in them. <laughs> the same grace of God that's available to their pastor or favorite Bible teacher is available to them. There's no reason that any of us cannot consider ourselves dead to sin and alive unto Jesus Christ, putting on the mm-hmm. new man. Well, let me ask you this. If the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes people showed up at your house with a three-foot-long check and a television camera crew, and you, they told you you had just won $3 million, would you go to the bank and then beg for your money? No. If you got big money in the bank, you don't go there and beg the teller to give you your money. You go there with a withdrawal slip, you slap it down on the counter, and you say, ma'am, I need X number of dollars. And you expect them to give it to you. What about the lottery winners? Do you think they go down to Columbia and in South Carolina and, and beg for their lottery winnings? Oh, no. They take that lottery ticket down there and they demand their winnings. Well, the same thing's true in the Christian life. The Bible tells us that God has deposited into our lives the very righteousness and the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very wealthy deposit, and we don't have to beg Holy Spirit 
to help us walk in righteousness. We just have to walk in it. And we have to get used to it. Just like the people that, that make big money in the lottery, they may feel awkward in the beginning with all that big money, but they sure learn how to spend it in a hurry. Yeah. Well, we may feel awkward with our new understanding of our identity in Jesus Christ, that we are, are made the very righteousness of God in Him, but it should not take us long to learn how to walk in it and to exercise that authority over the flesh. Now, let me just tell you a story. Many years ago when I was turkey hunting, I found a little ball of fuzz dog. It was only probably a month or two months old, and he ruined a perfectly good turkey hunt. Scared off a gobbler and two hens, and he followed me the rest of the day. Couldn't get rid of him. And when I got back to my truck, that little dog just jumped up in my truck. Well, I found him in the wilderness. He was wearing a hair shirt, and every time he barked, he said, rrr, rrr, repent. <laughs> So I named him John the Baptist. It was a perfect name. But that little ball of fuzz grew to be about 90 pounds, and he had a huge amount of hair, and his face looked like a, the face of a bear. He was a scary dog. Well, I really loved John the Baptist. He and I had a connection, and we got along just fine. But I hate to tell you that John had a demon, and John was bad to sneak up behind people and just nip them. I mean, he wouldn't bite them hard. He would just nip them. And because he was so big, it terrified people. Well, after the second time he did that, I had to put him in lockup in our backyard. You might remember that. Yep, I remember. And he stayed there for two years. And mm-hmm. I'd have to go out there and, and hug him and kiss him over the fence because mm-hmm. I couldn't let him out. Mm-hmm. Well, we moved out here in the country where we live now. And I said, man, John, you can run free. And he did fine for a little while. But then, unfortunately, he bit my brother-in-law on Thanksgiving Day, unprovoked. And I knew then that John had to go. So... My wife said, just take him down in the woods behind the house and just shoot that dog and get rid of him. She never liked him anyway. And I said, darling, I can't do that. I love John. John's my friend. Mm-hmm. So I went to the vet. And when I get to the vet, the vet, I just said, I just can't put him down myself. Can you help me? And this is what he said. He said, Doc, if you give me permission, I will do for you what you cannot do. Mm-hmm. And I gave him permission He took John in the back. I went out in the parking lot and snubbed for about five minutes. And then John was gone. Now listen, all of us have pet sins that we love dearly. And we have a hard time putting them down. We can't put off the old man like we should. And we have a hard time putting to death the flesh, reckoning ourselves to be dead to the flesh. But we can go to the spiritual vet, Dr. Holy Ghost. And he says to us, if you will just give me permission, I will put down that pet sin in your life. I will do for you what you cannot do. Well, there's a flaw in my analogy because when that vet put John the Baptist, my dog, down, he was down for good. But when we go to the spiritual vet and he puts to death in us that deed of the flesh, that misdeed of the flesh, the next morning it's alive again. It's back there just smiling at us, laughing at us, and inviting us to participate. We can revive it. (laughs) Well, and that's why Jesus said, if any man would be my disciple, let him come after me, take up his cross daily, daily, and -hmm. come after me. That's right. You see, the Christian life is a death life. It's walking through a killing field every day, putting self 
to death, putting to death the misdeeds of the flesh so that we can live. Romans 8.13 says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And you see, every day we have to go to Dr. Holy Ghost and ask Him to do for us what we cannot do and put to death the misdeeds of the body so that we can live. Now, my patients don't want any cancer in their body. If a radiologist calls and says there's a spot on the lung, and then the cancer doctor says, well, let's just watch it for six months. Do you think my patients agree with that? (laughs) Oh, no. They want it out. They want surgery. Mm -hmm. They will not cohabitate with Mm -hmm. a spot that could be cancerous on their lungs. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, Miss Hannah, we as Christian folks should not cohabitate with a sinful passion, a sinful desire in our lives. We have to go to Dr. Holy Ghost and ask Him to put it down for us. And we may have to go back every single day for months or years until we finally win the battle. But that's the challenge of sanctification, the challenge to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the last thing I want to say before we run out of time, is what exactly is our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ? That's important for us. If we're going to put on the new self, the new person that we are in Jesus Christ, who exactly are we? The Bible tells us that we're a child of the King, a blood-bought child of the King. It also tells us that we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In fact, we've been adopted into the family of God. I'm not an orphan anymore, Miss Hannah. The Bible tells us that we as individuals are temples of the Holy Spirit whom we have from God and we are not our own. And therefore, we should glorify God in our mind and in our bodies. The Bible tells us that we are sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit of God. And we are credited with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, a free gift that God gives us just because we are in Him. Furthermore, our name is written down in the Lamb's book of life, and we're called to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these things are true about you and me. That's my identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I think I look funny sitting on a horse, I can't lead a cavalry charge. But if I can't see these things as being true about me, I'll never walk in righteousness. That's why it's so important that we reprogram our minds, that we transform our minds, not being conformed to the world, but being renewed every day by reading and studying the Word of God so that we understand who we are, what our authority is, what spiritual power we have over sin, the assistance of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God. We need to understand all of these things if we're going to put on the new man, which is created to be like God, God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, when I was in elementary school, if ever I stepped out of line, my grandma would look at me and she'd say, Robbie, you're forgetting who you are. Now, she was telling me that in the family, we just didn't act like that. And that behavior was unbecoming of being a Jackson or a Land, my my, my mother's maiden name. And she was telling me I was forgetting who I was. Well, we as Christians sometimes forget who we are. And we give in to our lower nature desires. And rather than putting off the old man 
and putting on the new man, we give in to the misdeeds of the flesh. We forget who we are. Some of us remember some years ago when the undercover operatives in South America were caught involving themselves in sexual debauchery. Was that not a shame and an embarrassment to our entire nation? Well, why was that? It's because they were our paid representatives. And what happens when you and I fail to walk in righteousness or spiritual victory? Just like those undercover operatives, we fail to faithfully represent our holy and righteous king, and we fail to represent faithfully the kingdom for which he died. 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Miss Hannah, this is the biblical standard. That's what we've been called to. If any of us can honestly say, like my patient, I am not that guy anymore. We have to understand our identity in Christ. We have to reprogram our minds by setting our minds on things above. We have to put to death the misdeeds of the body so that we might live. And we have to reckon ourselves as dead to sin, but alive unto Christ. We have to make a decision. Now let me conclude with one more illustration. A couple years ago, I had a patient that I met in the hospital. I looked at his chart, and the chart said that a year previously, he weighed 300 pounds. When I looked at him that day, he was 160 pounds. And I said, dude, what happened to you? Have you been sick? Have you got cancer? He said, no, doc. I just got tired of being so big, I couldn't untie my shoes anymore. And key phrase, Hannah, he said, I made a decision. (laughs) And he said, I put myself on a specialized diet. I started walking four miles every morning and every afternoon. And he said, in one year, I lost 160 pounds. Well, I calculated that real fast in my little pea brain. And I looked at him and I said, man, you lost 18 pounds a month for a year. And he smiled a big old smile like a Chessie cat eating briars. And he said, yes, sir, doc, I sure did. Well, all of that started with what? A decision. He made a decision. And if all of these things that I've talked about in today's broadcast are to be true in our lives, putting off the old man, renewing our mind, Putting on the new man, each of us has to make a decision. It's not just enough to hear it or to understand it. We have to apply it in our daily lives. Make that decision, dear listener, to apply this every day in your own life. God bless you, and we'll see you again next week. And just a reminder that if you're listening to this on the radio, uh, we have a podcast. It's in the podcast store. It's on Google Play. It's on Spotify. Uh, You can subscribe on any of those places. I think Stitcher. We're on Stitcher as well. So we should be on a lot of different platforms. So if you would like to be able to get our show there, you can. it's commercial free. You can just plug in and listen to the 30-minute segments. And we're going to try to start doing some shows that we may not have broadcast. It'll just be podcast. I don't know how quickly we'll be able to get those rolling so if you'd like more content from us than just once a week then i suggest going to subscribe there 
and giving us a yep and give us a, a good review when you're there and of course you can find us in the podcast store at more than medicine or look up my dad's name dr robert jackson either one of those two should get you to us there so again please leave us a, a review if you listen to us in the podcast store and uh, if you don't then i encourage you to go do that and subscribe to our show because it's a great way to kind of consume more than medicine Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening to today's edition of More Than Medicine. You can follow Jackson Family Ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and on their website. Be sure to contact them via jacksonfamilyministry at gmail.com for speaking engagements and for book information. Join us next time for More Than Medicine.